Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host Amanda and today's guest is Mallory Shaw. Now I know I haven't been uh, on the podcast for a couple of weeks now, maybe a couple of months. I always try to take the summer off, but I'm excited to kick our podcast back off with Mallory Shaw of Confetti and Stripes. Mallory, a fellow designer here in Nashville, reached out to me several months ago wanting help and direction with feng shui. So we met for a southern lunch and talked shop about design, trends, and feng shui. After talking for a couple of hours, we realized that the conversation not only needed to be extended, but shared. Many of the questions that she had were common questions that others often have for me. So today we discuss design, our best business practices, and then we get down and dirty with Feng Shui 101. Mallory, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, this is way cool. Um, We were just talking before the show here. Um, I am completely on 100% new software. So we're going to cross our fingers here that we will not have any technical difficulties. (laughs) Sounds good. It'll primarily be human error. So, you know, we'll see what we can do here. So tell us a little bit about how you got into interior design and why you decided to become a designer. Well, it has honestly been a passion ever since I was younger. I had an aunt who was an interior designer and always looked up to her, you know, and loved what she did and how lots of little girls do, always was wanting to read in my room, etc. Um, then when I graduated college, was like right in the heart of the recession, and so I went into a job at first that was just kind of to have a job, you know. Then about two and a half years ago, I was kind of having this struggle of I didn't love my job, and um, the work schedule of it kept me busy during holidays, which was unfortunate, Um, but that also is kind of what pushed me into a now or never decision of if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now before kids, and um, it started off with just clients through hearsay and has slowly grown and just still continuing to build it and learn things as I go, but it's been so fun, and it's definitely my passion, so it doesn't feel like work, Um, and that's something I'm super grateful and thankful to be able to do. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about being able to create your own chaos, so to speak. Um, You know, when you work for yourself and you're busy and there's 5,000 things going on and you're working late hours, it's acceptable, I guess, because you're doing it for yourself Mm -hmm. versus when you're working for someone else and, you know, having to work until one o'clock in the morning. Totally agree. And holidays. Oh, 
I can honestly say that, you know, the, the few jobs that I had when I was in college, most of them that I did were not retail, but I did have my fair share of retail jobs, and I hated having to always work weekends and holidays. Uh, yes, it's the worst. <laughs> well, and it's kind of a bummer when you want to go somewhere or do something and you can't. Oh, uh, yes, and you work when everyone else is off. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> So you also have a really great blog. Um, I've talked a little bit on some other podcasts, um, some other savvy designers that I know have really great blogs. Um, and to me, it's kind of become the modern day calling card for interior designers. And it's like, if you don't have one, it's like, you know, you're old school. So tell us how you came about starting your blog and how that's like, you know, really blossomed your career and your love of design and writing. Yes, no, for sure. Um, I started it right around the same time that I started my own business. Um, I also had recently purchased my first house and was going through the renovations of that. So it was, you know, in the beginning when you have your very few visits a week, which are probably family members, um, it was just to kind of show things I was interested in in the design world and progress on my own house as well as like a few client projects. Um, it has honestly opened so many doors as far as clients and relationships with other designers and other people who are just somewhat in the industry. Um, I would say it's been the biggest takeaway from it is just the relationships. It's brought into my life that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, you know, blogging is definitely way more work than anyone who's never done it realizes, as you know. Um, but it's enjoyable. Like, it's only your voice. You don't have, most of the time, someone telling you what to write or when to write. So it's things that you genuinely enjoy writing about that you get to choose and put out there. And, um you know, it's just fun when other people get excited about the same things you're talking about. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, I've been in the blogging world, gosh, I think I started my blog in 08, and it just, it amazes me. Um, you're right, the networking opportunities that come available and the people that you get to meet, and um, it definitely takes a level of passion because it's like a full-time job in of itself. It is. <laughs> There is so much, um, so much to it, and that's probably the biggest hurdle that I find when I am, I, I know a lot of old school designers here in town that can barely turn on a computer and are convinced that the internet is just a fad, and, uh, you know, they've tried it, and, you know, they'll put up a couple of posts, and they're like, I don't get it, I don't know why you put this time and effort into this. Um, you know, and we're talking maybe one post a week and they're like, this is just, this is difficult. Like, I don't know how you do this, but it's such a great opportunity to really be on the nose about what's going on in the industry and really have your ear to the ground about what's going on in the industry and finding out about, um, things much quicker than even say 10 years ago, um, you know, I, I had uh, Libby Wilkie on here uh, several months ago on the podcast, and she is a product designer, and she was talking about how 
in the 80s, she would design a product line, like it might be a bedding ensemble, shower curtain, towels, you know, whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. And it would be circulated across the country to different areas. And it might be in circulation for two or three years. And the the lifespan of a product like that could go that long because we didn't have the internet, you know, it wasn't being pinned and all over all these blogs. And she was talking about, you know, she's now a huge blogger and she was talking about how, you know, the lifespan of a product now is if you're lucky six weeks because, it, you know, if it's a great product, it goes viral and then people get sick of it. Right. So it's just, it's interesting to see how much blogging has really changed the landscape um, for design and trends and um, the life expectancy of something peters out quite quickly because we're like, we're over it already. We're on to the next thing. Right, for sure. And I feel people trust bloggers more in terms of like product reviews. And so companies also look to bloggers as a new form of marketing because it's like your next door neighbor telling you about something versus seeing a commercial on TV. And so that has definitely been one way that I feel like a lot more companies approach me about new products, just like you said. Um, Whereas I don't know if the blog, if I didn't have it, if that would be the same case. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, uh, I've been approached by a lot of companies Um, to test products and to do write-ups about products and they encourage you to be really honest about your review like if it does or does not work and um, you're absolutely right I mean there's there's definitely a level of honesty and it is like your next door neighbor really telling you oh my god this product is amazing or I don't really think this product is going to go anywhere yeah and I mean I even look to other bloggers that I follow for the exact same thing that hopefully my readers are looking to me for. So it's funny how it's just full circle. <laughs> so how long have you had your blog now? Um, just over two years. That's and, a newbie. <laughs> yeah. And so how would you say that in the process of two years, where your blog was two years ago versus where it is now, how has it evolved and how has it changed? Um, well, I would say even with just like, it's changed drastically with even the stages of life I've been in over two years, which I know isn't that great of a time span, but I felt like in the beginning it was definitely more, um, a little more budget conscious and a little more DIY incorporated where I don't do that as much now just because me personally, I look more at investing in pieces I love and then incorporating in some low-end pieces, you know, to still fit it within the budget because that's how I work with my own money and my clients' money. Um, So I'd say now it's more of like high and low is what I look at and write about versus doing as many DIY projects. Um, And, you know, it's, I feel like I'm more critical on myself too now of what I put out there just because there are so many blogs. It can be very tough to have original content. No <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're your own worst critic. Um, and so it constantly is a struggle to come up with like things that are fresh and new 
Um, but then there are things that have already been shared that you feel are worth sharing a second time. Um, just well, definitely different perspectives. It is, for sure. Because, like, uh, I'm going through my blog right now. I've been writing for, God, seven or eight years now. And, like, there's just years and years and years of content. And I, you know, I have written about everything. And so, you know, I'm going through and... Um, you know, the, the big topic now is, you know, if there's so much noise and there's so many blogs out there now, like when I started, there was, and we talked about this when we went to lunch is that it was a pretty tight knit group that, that there were of design bloggers. I'm sure that there were many, many hundreds of thousands that were out there, but it felt like it was a very close knit community. And now there's just, they're everywhere. They're, they're like on every corner, literally of the internet. Yes, for sure. Now what I'm finding is like I'm being forced to go back through my content because um, it was always the thing when I started that you always um, credited your photos, where you found the product, you know, and, and linked back to everything. And that was what was kosher. The problem is, is that the rules on the Internet change every six months to every year. And so if you don't go back and change your information, you get in trouble. And so mm -hmm. I've now been contacted by Getty Images, and, and I just got one from a company the other day that was based out of Seattle. Um, I'm starting to get letters in the mail about um, uh, companies wanting to sue me for using their images. And I don't use uh, other people's images anymore. These are um, articles and photos that I had in blog posts five and six years ago. But I'm starting to see a big trend with designers um, where this is becoming the norm and more and more people are starting to get these letters because this has become a business now for a lot of companies to go through these blogs and ha try to hammer money out of them. Yeah. So I don't know if you've had that experience yet, but I always felt like I had, I had the, the golden goose egg cause I, you know, I had never gotten one that I, I was finally, you know, like christened and I got my first one and I was like, damn it, I finally got one. <laughs> <laughs> like you want the bad news, but not so much. <laughs> well, but you know, I, I have to say that, you know, um, nowadays it's like, it doesn't matter if you credit the image and it doesn't matter if you link back and share the design name or the designer's name and the photographer and link back to where it was because chances are wherever you found it was not the original source. Uh, for sure. Everything's so, you know, blended and blended and blended now. So um, I would say that that would be the only caveat to starting a blog is you have to be very conscientious of the photos that you use. And like for the last probably two and a half, three years now, I've been solely using my own images um, for all of my blog posts, which can be challenging because, you know, when you're writing a blog post, you definitely want visual um, photos to, you know, kind of give your reader a caption of what you're talking about and you don't always have those images, but it sure is safer to go that route than to try to find something and hope to God that, you know, it's not a copyrighted image. Oh, uh, yeah. Now you have to add photographer to your list. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's what I, uh, got for Christmas. You know, I was like, well, you know, I, I guess, um, 
because I was looking at you know the quality of my photos when I used to uh, find good quality ones on the internet look great and then I started using my iPhone and some of them are okay they're not you know totally bad but I finally upgraded at Christmas and I, I got a Canon Rebel so that I could start taking my own photos awesome so but you're right I mean it's you know it's like you got to wear a lot of hats to make this blogging thing work you do it's definitely way more than what I ever thought it would be when I started in terms of I've definitely gained more out of it than I ever thought I would but it's also way more work than I ever imagined it would be <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing is to really stay relevant um you know you have to be blogging at least two to three times a week um you need to engage your readers you know you just you can't just have this stagnant page and you know th think to yourself oh well if I build it they'll come <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> you know, you ha you literally have to hit the pavement and you have to get out there and you have to constantly be putting your content out there. And that can be challenging because there's so much noise and everybody's doing it. So it's like, how do you separate yourself from that? It is, for sure. Finding that small niche. And I think that's probably the, the, the key to it is, is just, you know, it's your own voice. It's coming from you. Um, and at the end of the day, that's the one thing that can't be copied is, you know, your approach to it. Oh, that's so true. And I've had so many people go back and forth on, especially with different social media things like Instagram, for example, on do you only share, you know, business and blog related things or do you also share your personal life? Like, where do you draw the line on that? And I was at a conference and I thought this was so true about how, you're never going to come up with enough original stuff if you only do your business-related things because somewhere someone's probably done it before. Um, and so bringing your personal life into it in little glimpses here and there, that's the part that makes you different from all the other designers out there. Hmm. So I guess it would be a good mix. That's, that's a good point because I actually changed – my Instagram because I felt like there was just so many like pictures of David and I traveling and going places and just you know stupid shit of the cats and you know <laughs> I felt like there was too much of that so I just started putting up not only my own projects but projects that I really admired right. um, and so to and more than anything I was trying to clean up my Instagram so that when you actually look at it like I hate it when you go into an Instagram account and you look over at their photos and it, it looks like it's just a chaotic mess of nonsense. Yes. And so I wanted some, I guess, like congruency as you were like looking through my page, like, oh, pretty pictures, you know, <laughs> that's, so I guess I'll have to mix in then some, uh, some personal photos in there so that I, I mix it up a little bit. Every once in a while, some people get to know you better. Makes sense. I guess they'll have to, right now, they'll just have to scroll all the way down because there's a, there's a whole slew of, <laughs> like, all these travel pictures and several of Harley, the cat, and, you know, well. so it, it, I guess it's a delicate mix. But, I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot trying to, as a small business owner, trying to manage Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, you know, writing for your blog full-time, running a business full-time. And like with me, I do the podcasts and I also do um, free library classes. Right. So it's like you have to, you know, if you're uh, becoming an entrepreneur and going out to work for yourself, these are things that you have to take into consideration. 
um, versus rolling out of bed and going to work for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hang your hat up, you do your work, and then you put your hat back on and you get to leave at night. Right. So, game. <laughs> what's that? I said it's definitely a different ball game. Yeah, and it, it, but like you said, there's a lot of reward to it. Um, what other things have you done in your business that have you, or that you have found have been surprisingly rewarding? Um, well, just recently, actually, um, you know, I always try to incorporate some type of vintage pieces, et cetera, into every design I do just because, you know, it's a good way for sustainability. I also just have a love affair with vintage furniture, um, and I feel like it's a way to incorporate something that doesn't necessarily have to break the bank, but not anyone can go out and buy it from like a local retailer or order it through a tradesperson. Um, and through that and just like talking with different people who kept encouraging me to do it. And I kept thinking, do I need to add another ball into the mix? Um, but I just recently started a vintage furniture like page through Cherish Um, and that's just been kind of like a side passion. Like I'm already sourcing for clients and come across great things that I'm just like, gosh, someone should have this. And especially before someone picks it up and like puts chalk paint on it or something, Um, you know, because there's some great like older pieces that are out there and it's just something fun. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of like mental drainage out of me and um it's been a cool element to add in yeah and vintage stuff is you know it's just it's made better it's you know the wood solid wood the drawers are made better I've got tons of vintage stuff in my house and like every time I want to move something David's like great let's call the movers (laughs) so heavy (laughs) yeah like um I've got this kick-ass dresser um, in my bedroom and I actually, um, I'm, I'm blanking out on the gentleman's name, but I, you know, I just found it on Craigslist one day, but the, Mm -hmm. he was a country music star who hit it big in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And him and his wife got divorced and the wife was moving to LA. So he was going to move to LA so that he could be closer to his daughter. And, um, Anyways, he had this dresser and this nightstand, and he's like, I'm heartbroken. Like, he's like, this has been in my family forever, and it's, I believe he bought it at Ethan Allen, or his parents bought it from Ethan Allen, but it's stunning. Like, there's no hardware on it. It's just, it's very sleek and has these very cool lines, and it has, like, this amazing finish on it. It's like this high, high urethane that's on it, so we're talking 40, 50 years old, and, like, it still looks brand new, and, but, oh, my God our bedroom is upstairs and like it took five guys to get it upstairs. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) It's amazingly beautiful. Like it's one of my favorite pieces I have, but it's built so well and it's so pretty and it's, it's in its original state. Um, his dog chewed a little bit on one of the legs. I'm like, screw it. I'm leaving it. I like it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It totally adds character to it. I don't think I could have painted it if I wanted to, because like the, there's this lacquer that's on top of it that makes it so shiny. And you would think that like it would show everything on it and it doesn't like it has really fared well over the years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
but I, you know, it, it's, it's the art of the hunt, you know, it is. I mean, I can go out for weeks and weeks and weeks and find nothing. And, you know, like the other day I went to a thrift store and I'm, was so giddy. I found just this little Harker Ware dish. It's from the seventies and I use it every night now for dinner. I put fruit and stuff in it, but you know, it, I think it cost me maybe a dollar, but like, yeah. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And it just takes, like you can go so long without finding anything. And then you find that one piece that keeps you going back. Yeah. Right now that's my dish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's like cocaine to me. It's like it you is. look and you look and you look and you're like, you're on this, like, I, I'm never been a drug addict, so I don't know what it's called, yeah. but like when you're, you know, jonesing for whatever drug you're looking for and it's like, you finally find that one thing. And like, I found the Harker dish or the Harkerware dish and I was like, oh my God, it does exist. And so like, since then I've been like jonesing for, okay, what's the next thing going to be? And for a dollar. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and that was a thing. It was a dollar 99, but it was half off Tuesdays. Oh, wow. Crazy, y'all. <laughs> and it's crazy because... My mom was here a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, she had never been to our new house. And so she's walking through and it's so funny because, uh, I have gotten, she's got this amazing thrift store, um, that is by her house. Um, they have a second home in Missouri. And so they have this amazing thrift store where, um, there's, it's like a vacation resort town. And so a lot of these homes that were built in this resort were built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's the best. Oh, my God. And so what's happening is, is a lot of the parents are starting to pass away and the kids are inheriting these, these houses. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is they're literally vacating all of the furnishings inside and everything ends up at this thrift store. Uh, it's like jackpot. Oh, my God. Like... Literally, I can go in the store and I can be in there for two hours and like, I just like, I, my credit cards vibrate. I'm like, oh uh, my God, there's, I, 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 like, I can't focus because uh, I get so excited. I'm sure there's a, one of my best friends lives in Miami and anytime I go down there, I always drag her to this area that she's, the first time I told her, I was like, okay, we have to go to this area. I told her the neighborhood, and she was like, what? We're not going there. We will definitely get shot. <laughs> and I was like, no, but all the reviews I've read, like, in the pictures I'm seeing, like, we just have to go. And it literally, I felt like a kid in a candy store. Isn't I could not get over the things that people, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, all these old beach homes that young kids are probably inheriting, and they have no idea what it is, which baffles my mind that I'm like you don't even google the maker's mark on the piece of furniture um and it's just in these thrift stores and it's all stuff that's current again well and I think that there is a and I credit designers to this immensely but I think that there's a resurgence right now where designers are the new age designers are really starting to be responsible um and encouraging their clients not necessarily to buy everything new and to reuse, repurpose, and recycle um, because we have a, a more sustainable mindset than I think the old school designers do. So I definitely think it's part like 
educational and people are seeing it, but I also think that designers are really pushing that trend because designers have really stepped up to the plate and made it cool so people want it in their homes. Oh, yes, for sure. And it's it was funny because when my mom was here, like we were going through all of the rooms and she's like, oh, that came from Missouri? That was from Missouri? Like I didn't realize like how much stuff I'd really you know, purchased. And like, as we were going through, like half the dishes in my kitchen are from there. Um, I've got, uh, like sideboards, you know, end tables, like just all of these things. I'm like, wow, you're right. I, you know, I haven't even been paid. I've just been collecting, which is the best part. Oh, it is. Well, that's cool. I didn't know you were doing that. I'll have to take a look at your site. What, what is the, is it, is there a domain to it? Um, well, it's cherish.com, which is a vintage resale site. And then forward slash shop, forward slash Mallory Shaw Design is the actual shop. And it literally has been up for about a week. Cool. Well, so we're super- introducing it here. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into, I wanted to talk a little bit. One of the reasons, and I talked about this in the intro, was one of the reasons that we got together for lunch was, um, one, so that we could meet, but also talk a little bit about um, feng shui and just some particular questions that, that you had. Even saw feng shui as more of an aesthetic, like, um, you know, more Asian decor type furniture, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, and I recently did a radio interview with Hazy Radio um, with Anthony Pico and uh, Sharita Starr, and it, the whole uh, interview was Feng Shui 101, but it was so interesting to me because I've been doing it for so many years now. Just the, you know, the the new person coming up uh, to the phone lines and like, you know, where do you start? What the heck is it? So it was so refreshing to sit down with you and, and kind of talk shop about what Feng Shui is, what your, con- you know, your um, thoughts about it were and some of the misconceptions. So I, I mm-hmm. definitely liked the idea of doing a podcast about it because I think it helps people they probably have a lot of the same questions that you had and possibly have so let's yeah. talk a little bit about that what what are um I guess what I could say is what were some things that you thought about it and what are some did your thoughts on it change at all after talking with me oh they definitely drastically changed it's funny because I felt like I came with a list of questions and after the first question you answered, I realized that none of the rest of my questions made sense. <laughs> so what were, what were some of your questions? Well, I mean, even in the beginning, just, you know, my perception has always been the very brief rundown I got of it in school, which was more of, you know, like certain things should be placed certain places. For instance, like you shouldn't have a mirror facing your bed and like the headboard needs to be on a certain wall. And that whole thing. But then I've also come across people who have used feng shui as almost like an adjective, like we discussed, as a design aesthetic. Um, You know, I even asked across my social media this past week some about what people's questions were about feng shui and what they thought of it. And one girl responded that it always made her think of the little water fountains that people purchase at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> Interesting. Um, to add to their home so that they would feel like they had more feng shui and like they were hipper or cooler because of it. Um, but then, you know, I also have spoken with a few friends who I know are more like into that type of lifestyle. Um, 
And it's been interesting to see, like, I never realized it was more of how you approach things and that everything has a purpose. Um, and I still feel like constantly in my head, I hear you saying how you can have this or you can have infinite possibility. <laughs> um <laughs> Which is like the most amazing quote, and I really wish I could have just a recording of you saying that over and over again. (laughs) Spinning in your head. (laughs) Because it's so true. Um, And how many things that we just hold on to for like what purpose? Um, I feel like our study as a whole is kind of not necessarily hoarders, but we all have a small hoarder inside of us, you know, that can't let things go for like crazy reasons. Um, and so I don't know, it was just crazy. Like what I thought of feng shui was completely different where I feel like how you approach it. It's like a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's not just in your home. It's even in things outside of your home and just like how you approach your day every day. Um, and not necessarily the sofa needs to be in this place, et cetera. Um, and I did actually get some questions from different people too. Oh, let's hear them. Um, where, you know, a lot of people kind of understand it a little bit more, too, because a lot of this was conversations with friends where they would say kind of the same thing I did in the beginning, and then I would explain it how you did. And so then the questions that would come back would be, okay, well, I mean, like, where do you start? If you're not already living this lifestyle, you can't obviously go from zero to 100 within, like, two-week period. Um So, you know, like, is there a particular room that's the best to start in, or does that matter? No, and actually, that's an excellent question. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. It is uh, a lifestyle. It's literally, you know, and I think that that's um, a very valid point to bring up, is that I have been practicing and doing feng shui for, gosh, 17 years, but, like, it's really taken me, um, you know, it's like a ever evolving practice and it's never a one and done where you read a book or you take a class and like you're an expert, you know, it's like, it's literally something that has evolved over time. And, you know, I have, uh, colleagues that are feng shui experts that, you know, have done classes and courses and I've taken those and, um, I've taken many courses over the years. I've taken, uh, big courses. I've taken little small workshops. Like I'm just constantly learning because everybody's perspective is a little bit different. So based on what I've learned, um, I would say about five years ago, I started looking at it with my own perspective and really taking every single thing that I had learned from all these different instructors and all these different workshops and kind of formulating my own formula of what I really thought modern feng shui was. And I use the word feng shui lightly because I think a lot of people, I always, you know, the funny part of me always says, well, people's butt puckers when they hear the term feng shui because it's like, oh my gosh, that sounds complicated or it's too woo-woo or, you know, whatever the it factor is for them. But um, what I started doing is is really looking at the, the greater and larger picture of it's not just something that you, you know, like you said, move a sofa and like, you know, move a chair, change your life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's really an overall lifestyle. So what I started doing is I started making very small changes. Um, First and foremost, get rid of the clutter. That's the, the, 
first thing you should do is really um, what you were talking about earlier about the infinite possibilities. When Mallory and I were at lunch, um, we were talking about clutter and how we all have it. We've all got um, you know the the pile of mail or we've got that stack of papers on our desk and for whatever reason we're not going into it and uh, one of my uh, instructors that I took her course um, she talks about how this gentleman had um, computer mices the the mouse thing and he had 16 of them and they were all like 15 years old they were broken and he had an entire box of them and he was hanging on to them for whatever reason and in his mind he was at some point going to use them okay. which in and of itself is funny but yes. <laughs> she basically said okay so and this man was a hoarder he lived in San Francisco and like you couldn't even open his front door and he was a true hoarder and, and she was basically trying to go step by step with him as to like let's release some of this mm-hmm. but we do hold on to things for emotional reasons, physical reasons, you know, there, there's a lot that is tied to our stuff. And so it comforts us in some way. And so we think by letting it go, we're going to have this immense amount of loss. But to help in that perspective of letting go of your clutter, it's like, do you need it? You know, can it be donated? If you do need it, what do you need it for and how quickly? If it's something that you only use once a year or less than once a year, you probably don't need it. Unless it's like Christmas decorations or something like that. So in Karen's example, she said, okay, we've got this box of mice and it's sitting here in your entryway and we can't open the front door. So if we eliminate this box of mice and we throw it in the trash, we've now opened your universe up to infinite opportunities for something new to come in. So that's an excellent place to start is that when you're looking at your home, do more with less. Mm -hmm. So if you can't walk through your home or if literally every room you go into has a pile of some sort, that's postponed energy. You're procrastinating somewhere in your life and you're putting things off so if you want to get things flowing in, in whatever area of your life that you feel stagnant, maybe it's your love life, maybe you're not getting a promotion at work, maybe you're putting off health and not getting fit, whatever it is, that clutter is adding to the emotional uh, subconscious stating that, oh, well, we don't need to get to it right now. So that's what I would do is start with, start with the clutter in your house. Do you have any tips? Because um, I know even personally, and I'm sure many people feel this way, that sometimes with the clutter, it's like you don't even know where to start with it. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to do small piles. I mean, you can't look at your whole house and say, okay, we're going to knock this out in a weekend. Absolutely yeah. not. Because you'll get overwhelmed and then you'll give up. And we don't want you to give up. So if it's literally where you have to just start with your junk drawer in the kitchen... start there like because what you'll do is you'll clean out that I've seen this before with clients where they're like just the thought of cleaning out clutter like they start going into a panic attack yeah (laughs) so it's like okay well where's the junk drawer so we will literally take you know 15 20 minutes and clean out the junk drawer and just that alone you can see their face lighten you can see like oh this is so nice yeah And so it's like a building experience where you start there, 
you see the emotions and how you feel about the organization and how it frees you up and then you know go to a little bit bigger a little bit bigger and like I do this every um, every spring and every fall I literally pick a, a two-month time period where like I'll go through the dining room and then I'll go through the kitchen and then I'll you know go through the laundry room and I literally um, will break it down to where I'm going through each room um, twice a year and because I've already done it for that year you know it only takes me 15-20 minutes yeah it's usually just that initial one that's really overwhelming because you haven't done it probably your whole life right correct um let's see then there are several questions and I'll kind of tie them into one because they connect about like say you're all about this and you're gonna um take the first steps but there are other people in your home be it like one said what if there's a family of six um, what if you're on board and your partner is not, or, and I don't know how much this makes sense, but. That's actually pretty common. Um, it's usually the wife that's on board and the husband is not. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually working with a couple right now where that is the case where the woman is like all in, like she gets it, she's on board, she's with it. And the husband's like, yeah, I don't want to partake in that nonsense. So. It's really about, um, you know, the confidence of if this is something that you truly believe in um, and it's something that you can get behind, then it's a matter of doing these projects yourself, whether you're the mother or, um, you know, one of the, if you've got roommates and you're the one that's doing this, literally going through and starting the process. And what will happen is shifts will start to occur in the home. And when people can start to see those shifts and they can relate them or bridge them to, again, I, I don't like to use the word feng shui because it makes people's butt puckers. Right. Um, so I will, you know, it's it's more of a cosmic shift. It's, you know, um, lightening the load and, and allowing new energy to come in. So whether you want to call that intentional design, conscious design, um, whatever you want that to be. I don't care if you name it, hey, you know, we're just going to move stuff around the house and change our life, however you want it to uh, call it. It's starting to do small things with the intention of creating big shifts. And as soon as you can bridge that to where things will start opening up in your life, then you'll start to, you know, uh, show your partner that, hey, these things are coming into our life because of this. Right. And, you know, like when I was married, I had the most skeptic husband ever. Like he thought this was a bunch of nonsense. He didn't believe in it. He used to make fun of me. He would make snide comments. But I would do something like one of the best examples I ever had was um, he was really wanting to get this big promotion at work and it just wasn't coming through. It just wasn't happening and wasn't happening. And so what I did is I really worked on um, our travel area of the home and um, the career section of our home. And I just asked him, I said, what is it that you really want and where do you really want to go? And I said, what, you know, if your ideal situation was to open up right now, what would that look like? And so he told me what it was. And so I made affirmations around that and kind of made it clear about what it was, the direction that he wanted. And then I beefed up those two areas of our home. And I am not kidding. I did all of this on a Sunday night 
And Monday at noon, he called me and he said, holy shit, I don't know what you did, but the call just came in. We're getting transferred to Nashville. Oh, wow. (laughs) And we are talking the most skeptical person ever, did not believe in this, did not think that this, you know, at that point I'd already been doing it for 10 years and like I just, you know, did my thing, he did his thing. But that was the point for him where there was kind of a shift of, holy shit, this stuff works. Yeah. So that's a great example of of two people not seeing eye to eye, but it's still, the the energy is there whether you can see it or not. And change does occur, you know, whatever you're most aligned with is what's going to happen. Well, and then this will make sense with the next question I had. Um, Someone asked, she was talking about, you know, the different, which I'm not as familiar with, is it the Bagua map? Mm -hmm. Did I say it correctly? And she was saying, you know, the, I guess, money part of the house she lives in is actually her roommate's room. Mm -hmm. And she was like, so I don't know how to handle, like, I can't go in there and just start, like, moving her stuff around. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is, like, something I really want to try, but she's going to be like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, um, you know, that can always be a a challenge, whether the person is in your home, because a lot of times, you know, um, the wealth section will land in, like, uh, I've got a client where it landed in her teenage boy's um, bedroom. <laughs> he was like a hot mess. <laughs> he had like sandwiches underneath his bed and Lord knows how long they had been under there. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, she can do things on the exterior of the home. Um, intention <clears throat> is really a big part of this. Um, and that's why... Um, you know, I'm always cautious with how I, I call it because it, really what it comes down to is really what you put out there is what you're going to get back. So if this is an area that she really wants to beef up and clear up, she can easily do things on the exterior of the home. She can place some things interior. And more importantly, she can take that bagua and she can place it on each individual room that she does have control of. So mm-hmm. her own rooms um, that she goes into, like the main areas, like the kitchen, dining dining room, living room, you can take that bagua and you can place it on those individual rooms. That makes sense. Okay, then this is another one. One person said that they thought it was where you shouldn't be able to see the back door or window from your front door. Um, and this combines with actually another person's question that asked, how, do it, how can I achieve perfect harmony when architectural structures are in the wrong placement? Um. Well, to answer the first question, um, it is not ideal to have your front door and your back door aligned. Um, if you can envision like a, if, uh, energy, which is called chi, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine, um, chi as a river. And if you were to open your front door and water were to come in, it's essentially going to go straight out the back door. And what you really want that chi to do is to meander through your home because that's what allows your home to thrive. Energy, you know, um, is what makes everything alive. So what you want to do is you just want to place things, um, to allow that energy to meander and not go straight out the back door. Um, what I have found is that with clients who have front doors and back doors that are aligned, um, falls are common. Um, they break their foot, they break their leg. Um, uh, they may, uh, sprain their ankle, uh, because you've got fast moving energy. Um, you could feel clumsy. 
um, lightheaded, things like that are usually associated with that. So just place things in the way. Um, so if you can envision like um, a pathway to a front door, you want it to meander. You want it to be slow moving and you want that energy to, to meander its way through the house. So do everything that you can to um, slow that energy down and get it in other areas of the house. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. What was the other question? I've already forgotten. Um, then how to achieve perfect harmony when architectural elements and structures are in the wrong placement? Um, that's a tricky question to answer without knowing exactly um, what the architectural elements are. Mm-hmm. Um, like beams are really bad. Um, if you've got beams in a bedroom, that can be um, detrimental. But it really goes... Um, you know, I've been to clients' homes who have beams in their bedroom and they're happily married. So um, it's not a one-and-done thing. It's really individual. And with feng shui, it is absolutely a um, practice that is something that has to be honed and it's experimental to each individual. That's why I don't like, which we talked about this when we went to lunch, I don't like a lot of the, you know... Um, the everyday Barnes and Noble version of feng shui. It's like you do step one through 10 and your house is feng shui. You know, it's like you do these 10 things and you're golden. And what works for you isn't necessarily going to work for me. And what works for me isn't going to work for my neighbor. So it's really about a practice about um, what works best for the homeowner and what their intentions are, what they do for a living, how they live their life. Um, like I'm working with a couple right now who, um, they're getting married and they have a blended family and we've got four teenage girls coming together that are at each other's throats. So, yeah. So, but I've been working with them for six months now and it's, you know, it's been a lot of experimentation because we've got a lot of supercharged energy. I mean, we've got girls from 11 to 14, um, you know, and that's a lot of vivacious energy, Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really coming into their own and their own independence. And so they have a mind of their own. And so, um, a lot of new kind of wild untamed energy. So, um, we've been doing all kinds of things to really, um, smush the family together in harmony and get everybody to blend and really create this, um, place of peace in this new home. And so, Um, We've had several of things that have worked very well, but we've also had, you know, a couple of things that, you know, just didn't really have any effect. And I think that that's where that Barnes and Noble thing comes from is you read this book and you're like, but it says in this book, this is going to work. (laughs) (laughs) And it it may very well work, you know, for another family, but it might not work for this family. So a lot of it is about experimentation and, um, getting everybody on the same page as best as possible. And um, it's about creating that lifestyle, you know, and just really owning it, not doing it for the sake of I'm going to place this thing in my wealth corner and I'm going to become rich. Right. That's not a lifestyle. You're doing it for, you know, one particular thing for one particular outcome. Right. So I hope that answers her question. Yeah, it does. Um, and this might be just like how I said lunch was. So this the next one may no longer make sense. Um, but it was saying if a room has a double purpose, for example, 
like your guest room, which is a bedroom, is also your home office, um, then like which feng shui principles would trump the other? Like how they talk about, you know, your desk being in the power position and like your headboard, I guess, being on a particular wall, which one would be more important? Well, what does the room get used more for? Okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, if it's if you're doing more office work, then that's going to trump the, you know, because guests, when you're dealing with a guest room, I mean, you're talking extremely temporary. You know, they're coming and going and maybe a couple times a year, so who cares about them? Right. <laughs> it's more important about, you know, if you're in there every day doing work, that so supersedes the okay. guests. Okay, um, then this is one that we haven't even spoken about actually. Um, when people are using stones or crystals, do you simply just place those in your home or is there particular places that they should be? Um, I'm assuming that different stones have different meanings. Yes. Um, absolutely. They all have different meanings. And this is something where, um, you know, people can get a little anxiety, you know, there can be some anxiety that comes in and they get a little anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to stones, um, they are extremely, extremely healing. And when it comes to this type of work and when you're creating that lifestyle, um, stones can get you there faster. Um, which is cool because, you know, we're all about instant gratification, but, um, there's no, no real like hard and fast rules about it has to be placed right here in this area and all your dreams are going to come true right (laughs) you have to really pay attention and this can be hard for people who are new to this um, because you have to get in a still and quiet place but you have to really honor how you feel and what comes up because a lot of times um like, for example, I'm working with a client right now, and um, she kept telling me that, you know, gosh, you know, I know we need to do all the th- these things to the house, and I know we need to redo the living room, and I know that, you know, we need to um, redo the dining room, but I just really, I really want to do the patio. And I was like, okay, well, um, the one thing about feng shui is you just, you have to really listen to people, because a lot of times, nine times out of ten, I would say actually ten times out of ten, they are the ones that are telling me what's wrong. They don't realize it, but they're the ones telling me. And so I asked her a list of of questions. And based on all of my questions, every single answer that she gave me, and there was like 15 of them, all landed in her patio area. Oh, my goodness. So a lot of times we're given intuitively where we are lacking in our our lives. And, and, you know, if if we're... um, energetically off we're being given signals or being told um intuitively or we're we're getting insight but we're ignoring it so a lot of times when people get crystals you know there could be a particular area like um citrine is really great in your wealth area because it helps boost the area but you may find that you get that citrine stone and you might say you know what i know it's supposed to go here but i would really like to have it in the kitchen so pay attention and honor that because I, it's not, you know, I'm not the one that's supposed to tell you what's going to be the best situation. I'm here, I, I'm, I, what I typically will tell people is I'm like the trainer at the gym. I can tell you how to get fit, but ultimately it's your job to get fit. Right. So is there particular places where it's better to buy stones from, like, are the ones, like, say you order one off the internet, 
is that the same as going to like a local shop or um, make you a can difference? actually find some really great places um, online. You do have to be careful with some because, you know, um, some of them can like citrine, for example, is a, is a great um, stone that you have to be careful with because citrine is actually made from amethyst. Um, and so a lot of times they'll put it down in the sand and, you know, they, it, it changes colors, uh, when it gets really hot. So quality can always be a big issue. Um, if you can find a reputable place that's online that sells authentic stones, then no, there should be no problem. Um, the benefit of being able to go to a local place is, you know, you can literally go into the place and check out all the stones and you can pick them up. And I think that that's, that's one of the, the funny things is, you know, um, when people are new to this and they come into it and they hear about stones, they're like, it's a damn rock, you know, <laughs> like it's a rock and you want me to put a rock in my house. And like I had a client a couple of weeks ago, we were doing color in her house and I put a piece of aquamarine in her head and she's like, I got to sit down. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? What's wrong? And she's like, I just got super lightheaded. And I was like, look what's in your hand. And so the aquamarine was making her feel like, woo. And, you know, and she's like, oh my God, I had no idea. I didn't know that these were real. And I'm like, of course they are. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, so they, you know, each stone has a purpose and does different things. So if you can go to a local shop or have a place where you can, you know, go and see and touch and feel them, um, you'll be able to experience it, which is way more fun. So do you recommend that for, like, someone who's just starting feng shui, or do you think that's a down-the-road thing? Um, I would say that's down the road because there's so many facets to it. Um, it can get overwhelming. And the most important thing is that you don't want to like get all gung ho and be like, I'm going to do this feng shui stuff. And then you start doing it. You're like, oh my God, I'm totally overwhelmed. Like I give up. Um, you know, it's, it's small piles and doing it, you know, step by step and, and finding the joy in it and allowing it to really unfold and be an experience. And, um, you know, when I really started compiling like all of my information and, and all of my studies and, you know, I've studied little people to, to big gurus and, you know, I've just, I've gotten, and I've read books, I've read tons and tons of books, but I would say that it took me about five years of all of that information to really pare it down to what I'm utilizing today in my own practice. So, um, you know, e each each addition has been something that I've learned along the way. So um, getting rid of the clutter is, is a great way to start. Um, eating better is another place to start because um, there's so much crap and toxins that are in our food system that, you know, that has a huge effect on, on how we feel and, and how we are in our day-to-day -day lives and our, our productivity levels. Um, you know, so just kind of getting clear about what it is that you want and what that looks like and what you want the outcome to be and just, you know, doing it in small steps to get you there because, you know, there's a, a Pinterest quote that goes around that I always see that um, something to the effect of a year from now you'll wish you'd started today. Yes. You know, and so it's the, it's the accomplishment and the utilizing that to stay motivated like, okay today I'm going to do this step and, you know, maybe my next step's going to be next week, but you know, six months in, you're going to be like, wow, I've done all these things. And there's a huge shift and a, a huge difference in my life now. So would you say like, say after all the clutter is gone, then 
is there certain rooms that you feel feng shui is more important? Like, for instance, your bedroom over the living room or entryway? You have to really pay attention to how you feel. So the client that I was just talking about with her patio is an excellent example to that. So, you know, she had originally hired me to do her um, dining room, bedroom, and family room. And so that was kind of the direction that we were going, and that's where we were focusing our energies. And then about two months into the project, she's like, well, I know that we're supposed to be doing those areas, but I'm being really drawn to the patio. So it really comes down to pay attention. Um, You know, what is it that you really, really want right now? Like, um, I think I talked about this with you, and I talk about this all the time. So anybody who's listening to this is probably like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of this story. Um, But I met with a gal a couple of years ago um, who hired me to do her guest bedroom. And I get out there, and her guest bedroom is amazing, like, pretty bed, antiques, um, just amazing. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, why am I here? And she's like, well, I had a professional designer do it, but I, I think it's time to redo it. And so that's where I'm different from a design perspective is, you know, I like to go and ask more questions like, okay, what's really going on here? Why do you feel that this needs to be done? Why are you wanting to redo something that's quite stunning? You know, there's more to the big, there's a bigger picture here. Mm -hmm. Well, after asking more questions, I found out that she wanted love in her life. So that was the, that was the, the big picture for her. That's what she really wanted. And so she had this nervous, anxious energy about her. And because that wasn't happening in her life, she was driving that energy into the wrong things and getting the same results. So it really comes down to pay attention to what it is that you really want and what you're trying to achieve. Like, are you trying to get pregnant? Um, Do you want to become a better cook? Are you trying to advance yourself in your career? Are you wanting to get better PR? Do you want more money? Like, what is it that you really want? And once you can get clear about that, that will help you to start figuring out where you need to start. Okay. Cool. Um, let's see. Okay, here's one that will probably make you laugh. Um, aren't you supposed to have so many oranges in a bowl in a mirror over the door. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Barnes and Noble. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, whoever wrote that, I don't want them to, you know, right. feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm the one who wrote that. Now I feel silly. No, don't, you know, like, um, I had a woman who, you know, called me up and was like, my finances are a wreck and nothing's ever happening. And I did the popcorn and I don't understand why nothing's happening. And I was like, what? What is popcorn? Exactly. So oh. I go out to her home and she put popcorn in her bathroom above her toilet. And she read somewhere in like Better Homes and Garden or I don't know, somewhere. And she said, but I read this article and it said if I put popcorn in my bathroom on my toilet that I was going to become rich. <laughs> So that's the biggest problem, you know, with like just these random like one-off articles and little blurbs on feng shui because they're extremely misleading. Like 
you know, like I said earlier, I've been doing this for 17 years and I'm still learning. Like every day I learn something new and every day I learn a new trick or um, I have an aha moment. So there's, it's not a one and done thing. So, um, you know, it, that was probably something that they saw somewhere or read somewhere. Um, there may have been a bigger picture. Oranges are actually quite good for your aura, um, which is our energy system that surrounds our bodies. And oranges are quite good for fluffing our auras to make us feel better and cleansing out negativity. Mm-hmm. So that might have been associated with the article. Um, mirrors are always good. Um, you'll often see those as cures in books because it helps to expand a space. It allows a space to, to go on, which allows the, the energy to continue to move. But you have to be very cautious as to where you place that mirror. You know, that's something that a lot of the books don't talk about is that, you know, you could place the mirror on the wrong wall um, or place it in the wrong part of the home. Like, for example, I live in a, a town home, and so I have shared walls. And so it's highly recommended um, not to put mirrors on shared walls because then you're inviting the energy of your neighbor into your home. If it's good energy, great, but what if it's bad energy? Yeah. So there's little things like that. And like, that was something that I just learned like five years ago. I had never heard of that. And when um, I took a a workshop from a gal who um, practiced feng shui in um, New Mexico, and I was like, oh my God, I'd never heard of that, but it makes perfect sense. And so I stopped doing it after that. That's so crazy. So there are still elements of like placement on certain things. But would you say that's something after you get into the mindset of like getting rid of clutter and what you're focusing on, then would you, for instance, go to that area and then start to apply feng shui principles like how you say the Barnes and Noble ones of where things are placed in that area? Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, I I always tell people to use an air of caution when you're working with the quote unquote cures. Uh Um. Clutter is a huge thing. Anybody who has clutter in their life, if they clean a junk drawer or clean out their room and get rid of paper, um, if you, let's say, for example, you clean out your office, you shut the door, and you don't come back in until the next morning, how does that feel? Like, you feel awesome, right? Right. Like, oh, my God, everything's clean, it's wiped down, there's no trash, there's no papers, everything's organized. Holy shit, that feels good. Like, you know, you're like, you you feel like you can be so productive that day. Yeah, like coming downstairs in the morning and your kitchen's clean. (laughs) Yes. So that is essentially feng shui, you know, like you're emanating this feeling of, oh, God, this feels good. Like it's organized, it's together, it feels good. Um. So it's more about getting clear about what it is that your ultimate goal is. And and that's different for everyone and what everyone wants is different. And there's usually a priority list. You, you know, you may be wanting to do things to your career, but you know, you may be really wanting to get pregnant. So um, it's really getting clear about what it is that you want. And then, yes, you can go to that area and focus on that particular area to drive that intention home. Um, Or you can, um, like we were talking about earlier, take the bag wall and place it on each individual room and just do little things that basically put you closer to that goal in each room. 
um, more than anything it's really about evolving into this overall lifestyle and not making this like a diet but literally living it day in and day out because that's where you're going to really gain clarity peace harmony um, one of the best things I love is like I, I, all the tradespeople that were have been in my house. Um, I've been having a lot of repairs done to my house, and so I've had all kinds of painting contractors, drywall contractors. I've had so many people come through my house, and every single one of them has said, "Not that, they all said that my house was pretty, but they were like, oh, your house is so neat. It feels so light. It feels so good. It's because I don't have a lot of shit. I don't have a lot of clutter, you know? And that was the, like the painting contractor today when he left, he was like, oh, everything's so neat. It's not necessarily that it's neat. It's that I just don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And we, we tend to hang on to a lot of stuff and then we buy more stuff and then we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we can't breathe because we have so much stuff. And like, I'll have clients that will come to me and they're like, I just, I'm constantly having panic attacks and like, I can't breathe. And like, you look at their homes and it's like, they have all of this stuff. It's like, it's caving in on them. So of course they're going to feel like they can't breathe. And as soon as you start moving that stuff out, you can breathe and you feel awesome. That's honestly what I've learned the most from speaking with you about feng shui (laughs) is having that approach to it versus how you like explained it as the cures. Yeah. Um, Which was more of what my perception was it before. Well, and it's really what is closest to you has the most effect on you. So this is something else that I learned from Karen, one of my instructors, is that, you know, that's all great and dandy that we, you know, are having wars in Afghanistan and Antarctica is, you know, melting. We absolutely want to do something about that and we want to create change. But first and foremost... You know, like your home, obviously, the thing that you live in and the clothes that you wear and the food that you eat is having a more direct effect on you and your health than what's going on in Afghanistan or in Antarctica. Right. And with design, like so many times, I've even said to clients, for instance, like the saying of what's closest to your body matters in terms of like spend money on luxury sheets and have cheaper drapes. Yes. You know, because you're not going to be like rubbing yourself up against your drapes. (laughs) Right. And I mean, I remember when I met David, the first night that I stayed at his house, he had polyester sheets. (laughs) Oh my God. Are you serious? I was like, I'm not staying at your house. And he's like, well, what do you suggest I do? I'm like, buy better sheets. So I took him to Pottery Barn and I said, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get these 400 thread counts. And he was like, oh my God, they're $300. And I said, do you want to see me naked? (laughs) So he bought them and like, that was three years ago. And like, now he will not buy sheets that are not 100% cotton. And if they're not over $200, he won't buy them. Yeah. It seriously is that once you've slept in them, you can never get back. (laughs) Well, and now he's, he, you know, he's been a bachelor his whole life. So for 36 years, he's been sleeping in Walmart polyester shit. But now he's like, how did I not know about this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you're absolutely right. I mean, and that is, that's feng shui. That's, that is a level of really creating 
luxury in your life and when you feel taken care of and when you feel good um, you're going to wake up refreshed you're going to when you go to bed at night you're going to feel good when you lay down like you're gonna release and and you're going to um, emanate just really great yummy energy into your home all a big cycle but it all flows together like so perfectly when you think about it so it's really having the confidence of I am today going to start changing my lifestyle for one that really suits my life and how I live and what makes me feel freaking awesome. 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 Now I just have to go do it and get started with the clutter. <laughs> That's right. Cool. Well, this was really, really fun. I'm glad that you were able to take the time to um, do a podcast with me today. Um, If people are interested in finding you or finding your blog, how can they find you? Um, The easiest would probably be through my blog, which is Confetti and Stripes. Um, The web web address is www.confettiandstripesblog.com. And then, like, any other contact information is easily found through there. Um... I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. It's way cool to talk about shit that I like to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I hope that I answered everybody's questions. If you get any more, um, uh, if anybody comes through and and gives you some more questions, certainly send them away. But I'm glad that you were able to take the time to do this today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Author Jeff Goen says about passion that it's not something you try, but something that you become. Feng Shui is much the same. It truly is a lifestyle that touches on every aspect of your life. So don't fear it or procrastinate in starting it. Small steps will make a big impact on your life. And trust me, you will be absolutely amazed at the effect that it has on you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. When you see how much control you really do have over your own life, simply by the things you surround yourself with, your perceptions will begin to change. So don't die with the song still in you. Embrace it. Open yourself up to it and honor what you feel your song should be. That level of grace is humbling and magical. And that, my friends, is true feng shui. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. If you would like more information on this show or have questions or comments, email me at info at For show notes, links, and tons of additional information on interior design and, of course, feng shui, visit the website at gatesinteriordesign.com or find me on Twitter at the Amanda Gates. Bye for now.